Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 75 for Monday, August 10th. I'm Alex Uwe here today with Alex Rudy, Farbode Markazi, and Ray Estrada. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Not too bad. Baseball's back. Well, well, baseball, it's baseball's been first. back. Yeah. <laughs> this is my first podcast. But it's still, it's still back. Still back. <laughs> Somehow. I mean, 28 teams, 29 are back. One it, team. It's back with perpetually close calls to it not being back. And it, yes. that, that continues. The Cardinals, they, they might play again. We'll see. We'll see how that progresses. Might. Maybe. Um, <laughs> there is a lot of variables at play. Uh, we got a lot of exciting news to talk about, including another play. I didn't think I would see it again this soon, but another player charging an opposing team's dugout on his own. And yeah, a couple other you know coronavirus-related news updates. And later in this podcast, we'll be talking about the most surprising teams to start the season. So uh, we will get to all of that. Uh, yeah, so let's start with Ramon Laureano and his faithful sprint towards the Astros dugout the other day. Um, if you were not aware of the situation, he got hit by a pitch. He got hit by a breaking ball and was kind of talking to the pitcher and uh, the umpires getting in the way and, and a little bit of chirping here and there. And the the Astros hitting coach from the visiting dugout was yelling at Loriano and Loriano over at first base did not take too kindly to that and just was egged on successfully by by the Astros hitting coach and sprinted towards the dugout um, was taken down and then the big benches clearing kerfuffle so yeah that that's the the briefest recap that I can give uh, do you guys want to add any other interesting details before we talk about just how I, I don't know how the whole how this situation unfolded. Like any, anything else that like really caught your eye? I mean, I do think it's worth mentioning that like Alex and Trone used like a, I understand like curse term at Loriano, which I just yeah, thank you. That that was that was a uh, crucial detail. Uh, I think Loriano has already hit. Twice in that game, and it was the third time in the series. I could be wrong about that. Exactly. No, you're correct. You're correct. Uh, so those are just two details I want to add, but I'll save like my opinion of it for the discussion part. But I do think those details are worth contributing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's it's hard to hit hit everything in just a quick summary, but yeah, this was uh, I, okay. So. Amir Garrett, last season, I, I hope everybody remembers this because it was one of the most I awesome brawls in recent memory. Uh, he basically, when he was pulled out of the game uh, in a situation that was, that was, uh, had a lot of buildup uh, coming along with it against the Pirates, it was well, put, taken out never, of... Right. He, wasn't, he wasn't being taken out of the game necessarily. It was a mound visit and... No, he was. He was. He was getting taken out of the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think no. He, the, he was. In, the, the acting manager acted very quickly, like, "Oh shoot, somebody in the bullpen, go." <laughs> that, that was the case. Potentially. Potentially. Um, yeah, it it might have been, but I think they did have they had somebody 
warming in the pen. But in any case, when he was taken out of the game, sprinted towards the Pirates dugout and started throwing haymakers. It was immediately met by, as you would expect, the entire Pirates team because what's, what kind of success do you, do you hope to have when you charge at an entire team? And similar situation with Loriano. And he was very quickly taken down by, it was like one of the, one of the backup uh, like bench players. Dustin Garneau. Garneau. Is he a catcher? It sounds like a catcher. Yeah, yeah he's, he's yeah. a catcher. He played for the A's last year. Um, Loriano came out actually saying that um, I'm really happy he, um, like he, he, he was basically saying Garneau was one of my favorite teammates last year. And I'm and really Garneau happy. played for the Angels last year too? Yeah, he played for the Angels, was traded to the A's, and now he's on the Astros. But he, he was, Loriano basically said, I'm really happy he did tackle me when he did because I feel like that would have led to an even worse outcome for both sides. Yeah, so a really clean takedown by, I guess, a former teammate. I didn't know that part. And and then from there, just a lot of pushing and shoving and separating like any other any other scuffle that you'll see. But yet again, the Astros at the center of a really, really big decision that will have to come down from Major League Baseball involving who's going to face consequences. And there's a lot to go through here, not only because it's difficult to comb through uh, you know, footage and, and reports and, and uh, from their own uh, like investigation process that goes on, but then also the fact that they, they were all very very explicitly violating coronavirus like safety guidelines by by doing stuff like that like that is one of the big no-nos and who who bears the consequence for that and it could be a lot of people it could just be dismissed so it'll be interesting to see how they they go about this it'll it'll probably take a little more time than than Joe Kelly's verdict did so uh, what do you think about the whole punishment situation do you think do you think there will be a a flurry of suspensions, or do you think it'll be pretty pretty mild? No, no, I, I think there's gonna be a lot of suspensions. Yeah, um, I mean, because Joe, Joe Kelly got eight games for not hitting anybody or getting ejected. This is full on instigating a brawl, and I mean, yeah. As much as I love to see people just wanting to go. Uh, Ham on the Astros, like this is this is something that yeah he's probably gonna get suspended for a while, and Joe Kelly might get suspended too further. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know how the MLB works. It's his fault somehow. I know it is. So, I, so can I ask a question? Uh-huh. Maybe I'm biased because I own Loriano in fantasy, so I don't want him to be suspended. Oh, oh no, I na- I didn't know that. I, I don't think you can speak so on I, the matter anymore. I'm willing. I'm willing to like add that caveat, but don't you think? like in the context of like what happened that like for sure he ultimately made the decision to like start the fight and the brawl and obviously in the era of COVID that deserves harsh ramifications. I'm not arguing that, but I just in the situation itself, I feel like the Astros are way more at fault. And they basically were taking Absolutely. out fires is ratting on them on like Loriano. It just doesn't like, it's like unacceptable behavior and like, to me, like it'll be interesting to see where these suspensions play out because I, I do think the MLB, as much as we like shit on them, like rightfully so, I don't think they're idiots, and I think they do know that there's a reason like they're waiting till, till tomorrow to announce their decision, and it sounds like they're really carefully looking at the details of the situation, and I hope that means that 
while Loriano individually might get the most games, that there'll be harsh ramifications for the Astros overall. Uh, because especially for a coach to be involved in instigating this type of stuff, I, I mean, that should be so unacceptable in so many ways. I mean, Alex and Sean Shorty have been probably not allowed to coach baseball considering he's been there since 2017. Uh, but, yeah, I, I feel like the MLB to not really bring on the hammer and the Astros for this behavior would truly be a new level of blissful ignorance that they continually run up themselves on. But if the, if the Astros, if they're going to set this precedent that, precedent that basically like you can cheat and not get correctly punished and then turn that situation into like a chip on your shoulder to like attack other teams preemptively, like that is toxic, Matt, in so many horrific ways. You, we can talk on and on, so I just want to leave it at that. I think just on the basis that a brawl is against MLB protocol, I mean, even without coronavirus, but especially with coronavirus, there's going to be a decent amount of suspensions on on both teams just because of that. But I also think, yes, Loriano is going to be suspended, but I agree with Rudy where it was the Astros and the Astros hitting coach that instigated it all that um said some things did some things and loriano's obviously very frustrated that he's been hit three times that series and if i mean the astros and the hitting coach are um denying what he was saying but if that is true they they the hitting coach should definitely get as much or if not more of a suspension as loriano Mm -hmm. Two two really interesting points that each of you brought up that I think involve a much deeper discussion is one with the the suspension situation because of coronavirus concerns is you said that you expect there to be a lot of suspensions but do they suspend just everybody because the the entire teams are on the field like how does that work like even if it's something minor like one or one or two games like. Has that happened before where just like an entire team has been suspended? Last time we expected... I mean, it should have. Last time we expected a whole team to be suspended, the Astros were let off, so... um... Yeah. (laughs) It's true. See, this is this is what's interesting because how does that work? Do, do they just take turns like serving their suspensions or do they just forfeit a game? Like, I don't, I don't know how that works. What happens? See, see, my worry is in terms of like the Astros being punished is that they weren't punished over the Joe Kelly incident. And they were the one they they were the ones who left the dugout and I know there wasn't any like fighting, but they were the one who supposedly broke COVID protocols. The Dodgers were all walking to their dugout and the Astros weren't punished. It was Joe Kelly for not hitting anybody and taunting a guy who struck out like an idiot. That's um, that's true. That's a good point. So yeah. Uh reading a, a story about this, uh Cintron as a coach is held to a higher standard of behavior. So sources is according to Jeff Passan could face a much longer ban if it is determined that he he did say what he say. Loriano accuses him of saying some unsavory things about his mother. Um uh the Astros deny that. <laughs> but um yeah so it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. But yeah, I don't know like who gets how long for this and like yeah. Longer suspension for that dirt bag. I love to hear it. 
the other point that Rudy brought up, actually, which I wasn't really thinking of or aware of, I don't know if this is something that has been talked about widely, but is is that, do you think them going after Loriano is a result of Mike Fires snitching? Like, was that something that was assumed by by even, like, fan bases or media or any of the players involved, or was was it some other kind of situation? Because I didn't really put that together myself, and that does seem kind of like a weird thing. Are you saying he's getting thing. hit on purpose because of the Rudy, Rudy mentioned that um, the Astros could have potentially been retaliating against Mike Fires for calling well, for calling them out, for exposing them, and I feel to punish going after his teammates. But you can't. Sorry? But it's like an American League situation. Like the team did you wrong, and you can't go after the pitchers, so you retaliate against. The team. No, 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 no. But that, that thing. You would hit Chapman or Olson, probably. I would imagine. Yeah. I feel like I feel like Loriana gets pitched inside a lot, too. Yeah. Three times. <laughs> it it doesn't seem excessive. Someone three times is not an accident. I, I these guys are um, the best at the world at what they're doing. There's no way that's pure chance. Well, the, there is. See what Loriano, there yeah, is a chance right. that it is. Did you guys see that's what Loriano is really small? Um, did you guys see what Loriano was saying going down the line after he was hit? Yes, yes. I, we didn't didn't touch on that part either. That, that was hilarious. <laughs> so he what was he was basically saying and motioning. He was hit by a slider by the pitcher that just backspun towards him and hit him in the back and he was telling him he was like you got to you got to snap the pitch like he and he's showing with his hand like how how you're supposed to like move move your wrist as as your release point goes for a slider and he's he's trying to try to tell him like like and he's like yeah I know you threw a slider but you got you got to snap you got to snap it this is how you throw a slider like he's he's very clearly so sick and tired of getting hit it doesn't matter what the the context is like it's just not fun <laughs> to get hit by a pitch so yeah and then the umpire and like some of the astros and the A's didn't realize that he, that's what he was saying so they thought like he was trying to like really get in like just yelling some stuff at the pitcher but it was really just him saying you you gotta snap that pitch better man <laughs> yeah can, can, can i have one last point that i'll throw in here yeah before yeah we move on don't you think let me tell you, tell you what you guys think of this. Like, the biggest takeaway I've really gathered from all of these incidents, more than anything, is that, like, the Astros' attitude towards it is, like, so... I don't know if it's, like, toxic masculinity or it's immaturity or it's just, like... Oh, you know, I don't know what the word is, but it's bizarre to me that they can't just accept that they, like, did something wrong and that their attitude should be, okay, like, we did something wrong. Let's make it our goal to like make up for that and like rebuild our image to the league and prove that we made a mistake and but we were ready to move on and change and show that we're more than that and instead it seems like they're tr- like they quadruple down every time on them well, actually being in the right it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me i don't get that part mlb allowed them to do that by you know i mean you can say what you want about just in general whether or not you want suspensions for players because like you said that's a whole different issue like how you suspend an entire team but MLB let them play the victim, and so they can have this supposed chip on their shoulder because people, oh, they doubt us. It's like, no, we just want you to actually pay for cheating, and it's and they only have to face basically, you know, the the angry public, and they don't have to do it that much this year with no fans. But 
the, the MLB set them up to have this attitude of they, they got away with it. They they got away with it. They have their World Series. That, that's what they're leaning on. So like that, that's why their attitude is like this. That's why you know they're like say quadrupling down on like not to say we didn't do anything wrong, but like saying oh we're good enough anyways that it wouldn't matter. That's it's like it's it's the it's all MLB, and that's why yeah. you're getting you know you might have more incidents like maybe this of guys who just want to go after the Astros or, you know, Joe Kelly actually has better aim actually hitting guys. Yeah. <laughs> on the bright side, on the bright side, Altuve and Springer are both hitting 182 and Bregman's hitting 219. So at least that's what we can root for, right? Yeah. The, the FTA sentiment is, is definitely earned by their behavior and how they responded to cheating. Not Yeah, obviously, you screw them for cheating, but it goes so much further beyond that, just the way that they've... All of them, seemingly. I, I don't think there's been any remorseful players. Maybe may, the only ones I can think of are actually ones who are not on the Astros anymore who are remorseful yeah. about it and say they they wish they, they had done things differently. And, and there's no show of remorse at all. It's incredibly childish... Um, not owning up to their mistakes and just denying that it ever happened. It's, it's reminiscent of, uh, of other things, non-baseball related, but it, that's not for <laughs> uh, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Well Laughing turns to crying very quickly there. All right. <laughs> What's the difference between laughing and crying anyway? That's, that's really deep, actually. Let's, let's go ahead and talk about a couple coronavirus-related news pieces now. Uh, these ones won't be be too drawn out i don't think but marcus stroman has opted out of the season seem pretty unexpectedly i think um he's with the mets right now for anybody who didn't remember that that random trade last year um and he's a free agent at the end of the year so i'm wondering also if um if stroman you know i don't doubt that he's doing this because he's genuinely concerned about his safety and all that but just in terms of his um his free agent stock I'm wondering what kind of start he's off to performance-wise this season, and if he hasn't pitched, he hasn't pitched at all. What was he missed time with? He had some sort of injury. Oh, um, did he? he? Interesting. He basically uh, the it, not necessarily with his free agent stock, but the outroar about his decision right now is that he basically waited until his he accrued enough service time to be able to be a free agent at the end of this year. Um, and people are pissed off about that, but then someone responds saying, "Well, teams do that too." Stroman just ha- Stroman just kind of uh, finesse the Mets with it, but it's not like the Mets and other teams haven't done that before. Yeah, why would but anybody be a- upset with a player yeah. for doing that at this point? Yeah. That just makes no sense to me. Was that was that a rule that uh, if you opted out, like say you know before the season started, that you lost this year? That is it. This didn't count as a service time year. I'm assuming it was just because that's what the that's what I've been seeing from like Jeff Pass and that stuff that he has now accrued enough time on a, on the big league roster that basically means he like he has gone through that full six years. Yeah, well, I, that's that's good. Yeah, I, he's he's gonna hit free agency at a at a good time for him anyway. Do you think he's gonna make? much money because his most recent season is probably one of his better ones and even then not all too impressive you know decent he had a three two two last question. year yeah yeah sorry finish your your thought on it 
I just wanted to give a little context. So, like, last year, 3-2-2 ERA pitcher, 184 innings, um, and, much like, way less than a strikeout per inning. He had 159 strikeouts last year in a 1-3-1 whip. Nothing spectacular. Hasn't had a a great season, really, since his his rookie year in 2014. So that's what I wanted to ask, is that, you know, listen, I really like Marcus Stroman, and I think we all do. He seems like a genuinely cool dude. But he's, he has to be one of the most overrated players in baseball, right? Like, he really is like, never proved himself to be more than, like, a very solid, like, third starter. Is that fair? I mean, yeah. he's, he's never been an yeah. effective strikeout pitcher. Uh, his he's had some big injuries in his career, and his ERA can be pretty inconsistent year to year. So, what does that is that really? I mean, he's not an ace, and he never will be, and he's not really close to that. So, I I, I would have to think he has to be one of the more like recognizable names for least production of any pitcher in baseball. Right? Do you think that's partly because just like that he came up on those really good Blue Jays teams, or? I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I know I always kind of liked him, and I don't really know why. It's kind of like inexplic- inexplicable. I have no, like, real reason why I seem to, like, just think of him positively in my head always. But I, I definitely have that association. I think it's because he think was pretty highly few... touted. He, yeah. he's, he's always been a highly touted prospect and, and pitcher in the big leagues. And then also has, has performed well kind of on the big stage in the, in the, in the Blue Jays um, period of success there. Time. World Baseball Classic. Baseball. Yeah, he's just kind of like, he's a gamer. He he has he has some too, intangibles. He's one of the, he's one of the best personalities in the game too. Mm-hmm. In a game he's that is a great, really lacking personalities. He's done a great mm-hmm. job at, of like building like his brand, and he has that mm-hmm. you know, like heart height doesn't measure heart, um, and has like a pretty solid social media presence. So if you're talking about just why you think of him so positively, it's because he's a genuinely great like good dude. And done a good job of building his, uh, building his his presence, like his social presence outside of just baseball. Um, All good explanations. Yeah, but that like performance wise, does that mean he's worth much more than like a like a Tanner Roark type of pitcher? Maybe maybe not recently, but like you know, think of Washington Nationals Tanner Roark. Like that's performance wise, he's probably like the same type of pitcher based on the numbers that I'm looking at now. so I mean, I feel like any player's worth is more so... It, like, it doesn't even matter what we say or what anyone says at this point in time of what Marcus Stroman or, let's say, Garrett Cole last year would be worth. It's more so what teams are kind of just willing to pay for him. But at that point, I mean, yeah, you can, you can make him... You can just compare him to pitches who do... Um, who have the same similar amount of produ- production? So I think he might be. I think he's still going to get paid. I don't. I don't think he's going to make much money. Is, he's going to get point. paid better than like say him and Roark are both on the open market. I think he's going to get paid better than Roark because well, Tanner Roark today is not like Tanner. He's, oh, he's uh, much I mean, worse now. But no. like, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, using your comparison. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, Trevor Bauer. Like, um, do you feel Minor. more confident? In, yeah. You feel more confident Marcus in Stroman going up for say a, a, a game three in the playoffs or Tanner Roark? Like that's kind of your. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's that that far far apart. I don't know. It, it'll be I interesting. Mean, you see the Angels giving him like five years, sixty million or something. I'll take that. 
I, I could see it, I, I suppose. Um, yeah, not a particularly durable pitcher either. I, it's just interesting to see the, the kind of length and kind of contract he's able to get. I, I, I don't know. It, it I might think the second part that also um, determines how much a player is going to get in free agency is who are the other players at his position. Yeah, what's and the market like? It's Trevor Bauer, Marcus Stroman, um, Mike Miner, Jake Odorizzi, Robbie Ray, um, who else? Who else? Tanaka, Paxton. Yeah. So like, there's there's no like top guy that's going to make anywhere near like Garrett Cole money. But does that mean Stroman's still not going to get paid, or does that mean everyone's going to get within the same like fifty like? Like they're gonna be in the same within the same range. Nah, yeah, I don't. I can see him getting like Tanaka is probably the co- closest pitcher to him there, and I don't. I don't see Tanaka making a whole lot of money either. If I'm being honest, like those are probably the two closest pitchers of that that you listed, and they're not particularly high up there, uh, in this market even. So, mm, we'll see. We'll see. Um, there's a lot. A lot of time until free agency hits. Um, and and then the other coronavirus related news point, which is just really dumb. Uh, Zach Plezak's surprising start to the season for the Cleveland Indians has been part of that just insanely good starting rotation. Um, was sent home by the Indians uh, because he violated protocol and went out and hung out with friends in Chicago. And they they told him like, "Yeah, you you violated policy. You're going back to Cleveland. You're not you're not gonna be with us with our team for I, I don't know exactly how long." Um, but yeah, they made him drive back on his own in the middle of the road trip. They made him drive a rental car back to Cleveland, basically. He didn't, he did not listen to our last podcast or the last like three podcasts. So no, he did it's not. Just so stupid and careless um, to be going out for yourself. <laughs> forget about forget about our podcast. Family. He has not paid attention to Major League Baseball and multiple teams not being able to play for a week plus because of one stupid mistake that they made really so not good to to see that players still haven't fully gotten the message all right well let's let's go ahead and get to our main main uh thing that we were going to do today we're going to talk about some of the more surprising teams that we've seen we've each picked a team to discuss and, pre- and present to the class, essentially. So let's go ahead and start with uh, who's uh, Rudy. You ready to go? We can start with you and and share your surprising team with us. Sure, why not? So mine is the Marlins, who, yes, to be fair, have not played too many games. Only ten and seven three, but. Considering the COVID crisis they went through, I think that is pretty damn impressive and added to the expectations we had of them going into the season on top of that, even more so. Mm-hmm. You know, they've had a who's who's of no-name players to fill in their lineup spots. I think they've had like 20 different position players at least play so far. And, I mean, you know, it's not like... 7-3 is 10-0, and 0. so it's not like their underlying stats are unbelievably impressive, but they are very solid. I mean, their ER, team ERA is 
eighth in the majors. Their team whip is 14th, and their team OPS is 13th, which is, I mean, once again, I, I think that's just from average. But considering, I think many people had them as to be one of the worst teams in the league entering the season, you know, that's pretty impressive. And there's some interesting reclamation projects or maybe underrated players. I mean, Jesus Aguilar, I think, is a guy a lot of people thought was going to have a balanced back season. You know, Brian Anderson has proved himself to be consistently very solid. You know, Magneria Sierra. You know, you know that guy. We can just just leave it at that. You know, the name is is all you need to know. And I think the pitching has been really surprisingly solid. I think uh, Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, you know, very, have very decent pitching. I think that's going to be a good base for them as they're more of their prospects come in to make them competitive maybe sooner than the average person considers them capable of being. There's also some last thing. Some really kind of interesting maybe trade players for uh, contenders like Boxberger and Kinsler, who are having kind of bounce back relief seasons. Like, you know, I would see watch those names to see them ending somewhere else sometime this year. Mm. Yeah, I like that that trade chip point as well. Um, yeah, the Marlins, man. I guess they were not hampered by losing their entire roster to this coronavirus thing. Um, yeah, I guess that that's kind of the uh, the secret, is to just not play a whole lot of games. So, Can I name a few just fascinating names that are on this team as well, just real quick, to finish it? Yeah, yeah. I would say Ryan LaVarne, LaVarneway, excuse me. Okay. Uh, Matt Joyce, Logan Forsythe, Francisco Cervelli, all players that are currently Marlins. Those I'm are all players. Curious. Wow. And they're currently Marlins. Exactly. I... I maybe knew one of those players was a Marlin. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Really, really weird team. Not exactly uh, looking like they're going to hold tight and, and take a playoff spot. But if they do, well, I will I will bite my tongue. Um, bite it. You ready? Uh, Farbode, why don't, why don't we discuss the Rockies yeah, so next? I, yeah, I got the Rockies and... I kind of was looking at them just the previous years because last year they were a mess. But the years before that, it was they it was eighty seven wins, ninety one wins, and the one thing that they all always missed out on every year was I mean they had a pretty good offense, but zero pitching, and especially in course Field, you need pitching. This year they're starting out with the number one, um, their first place in the AL West in terms of winning percentage. So they're eleven and four to the Dodgers, eleven and five. And I mean, just looking at stats on the outright and pitching, all they have four starting pitchers who in the four of their starting pitchers, their highest ERA is three three one. So through four, three or four games each started for Carmel Marquez, Kyle Freeland, John Gray, Sensatella. They've all been very solid. Hitting-wise, uh, Blackman's on a tear so far. Daniel Murphy's started out the se- season hot. I mean, their worst hitter, arguably, has been Nolan Arenado this year. Um, so they're a team that started out extremely hot. I don't know how sustainable it is because we have seen these pitchers in the past. They have, pr- they have a couple pitchers that could sustain it. 
and that I could that I see that could sustain it. But other than that, I feel like it they're they're gonna go come back down to earth at some point. But it's definitely been a hot start. Did you uh did you happen to mention the revitalized Matt Kemp? I, I didn't catch if you did in that list of players. You no, he there. he's hitting two fifty seven two homers. He's like I said, uh, their offense has had a pretty solid start. He Nolan Leonardo's hitting one eighty five. Um, had three bombs in in that span, but it's pretty good when you, Nolan Leonardo's your worst hitter. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, not just in the last couple of years, since the inception of the Rockies, have they struggled to put together a decent pitching staff. Decent, yeah, but even. Basically, the reason I said the last couple of years, it's more so on the point that like they've always been right there, and all they've missed is just that pitching to take them to the next level. Yeah. I, I, I followed the Rockies kind of intently in, in past years as well. I think they're an incredibly interesting team because of their their ballpark situation and a lot of other things but this year is like it seems like one of the least interesting rockies years interesting rockies rosters even that i can think of in recent memory they they've got so many guys that just don't seem like they have huge upside but like right now they they're just all playing pretty well that's that's just it but they don't have a super intriguing list of names uh, in in the long run, so I don't know. We'll we'll see if they if they keep it up. It's just going to be their pitching. That's what it comes down to. Uh, Ray, do you want to talk about the trash rows a little bit more? Because oh, they've been trash. I would I would love to talk about the trash rows. They are six and nine currently on a five game losing streak. <sighs> nice. Um, yeah, and also just an interesting thing about the record, they have not beaten the team above 500 they've only ever they've only played the dodgers and a's above 500 but they're on five against those two teams hmm. so there's that so yeah i mean we thought they would you know having not really been reeled by their punishment uh we thought they would just you know come out and still be good despite you know not knowing what pitches are coming but apparently that made a huge difference for some of the guys uh carlos cray is still hitting he's got a 956 ops uh Brantley, 879, good. Guriel, 854. None of their other big guys have an OPS over 800. Um, Alex Bregman hasn't been good. He's batting 219. George Springer's batting 182. Um, Jose Altuve is also batting 180. Josh Reddick somehow has a 259 average. Still only 720 in OPS, but like he should not be hitting better than like Altuve and, and Springer. So their they're hitting is bad. They obviously lost Cole Verlander's hurt right now. Um, and yeah, they're just kind of, and they got, they got a lot of injuries. They got a lot of young guys they called up who are doing okay in their spot starts, but just, you know, can I just mention that the, that one reason too, is that the Josh James starter experiment has completely blown up. Like he has been. He's a 10, 29 ERA. A different level. Yeah. Just an insane amount of walks, which I, I. I'm so, uh, very disappointed from a fantasy standpoint where I had stakes in him, and he was so good out of the bullpen last year. I don't understand how it the turnaround is that drastic. 
Like he has a two, he has a two forty three whip and a two thirty one batting average against. Oh my god, dude, he's got such great stuff. Like it's it's disappointing McCord to see from that bad, perspective. Nine twenty two ERA. Their young pitchers, and... their other young pitchers haven't been bad. I will say, uh, Fram Fram no. Valdez and uh, Valdez, yeah, and who is the other uh, pitcher? It was, um, sorry, one second. Uh, Christian Javier is the other is the other young pitcher who's been okay for them. But yeah, not not the same looking team at all uh, as yeah. last year. Even even despite all the other sentiments that we shared, is a very different team. So see it. yeah, you love to see it. FT. <laughs> all right, and then the team that that I wanted to discuss was the Tigers, who have gotten off to a pretty nifty eight and five start to the season. Are not the first place team. Um, I believe the Twins hold that one right now. Yeah, the Twins are still good, uh, but they are up there right now, like in a in a pretty tough division overall. Like the White Sox have been pretty good this year as well. Um, the other teams, not not so much. Uh, there's, but the Tigers, man, like what? There's this is a team that was supposed that was the worst in baseball last year. And was supposed to be just as bad, really on paper. They made some acquisitions, uh, some some discounted Twins players who just didn't have room on their roster anymore. Scope and Crone, and the rest of it was just kind of pieced together. The rest of the lineup really is is all their their homegrown t- talent, and it's been it's been pretty good. Jacoby Jones has been a huge standout for them. Uh, the center fielder, who is off to a, a really good start to the season. He's got four home runs already. He's got an 11.39 OPS, um, plays a good center field as well, which is big for them. And he doesn't even hit high in the lineup for them a lot of the time. I believe Nico Goodrum is still getting uh, much of the the leadoff appearances and, and things like that. Um, so their offense really, overall as a team, very middle of the road. They're They're around you know, 10 to 15th, 16th, you know, that range. And they're in the middle tier of offense, which is the surprising part. They were supposed to be the worst. And somehow with their hot starts, they are, they've, they've wrote, they've risen to the middle and their pitching has just been atrocious still. I it's, it's a wonder that they've been able to win these games um, with the pitching that they've had. They have the worst strikeout percentage in the majors. They have the fifth highest team ERA. Spencer Turnbull has been the one, decent pitcher for them and even then their best starter Matt Boyd has got a 920 ERA right now he hasn't been pitching well and they're still forced to run Ivan Nova out there Joe Jimenez leads the league in saves so I guess that has been a a saving grace for them in in those games where they have managed to jump out to to small leads but I will say that a lot of their wins have been high kind of high scoring affairs um, not all of them, granted, but um, they they ran into Cincinnati to start the season. They lost their first three and then took two games against them. They went to Kansas City and split a four-game series. Um, didn't play against Cincinnati pretty much. Um, well, they did, actually. They, they, they ended up making up a game in a doubleheader. They had weather issues. Um, and then didn't play the Cardinals at all because of the Cardinals. So 
they just didn't play um, last week for most of the week. And then over that weekend, they went and swept Pittsburgh, who's been one of the worst teams in baseball. And the the first two games of that series were 17-13 to 13 and 11-5 to 5 victories. And then somehow wow. a 2-1 to one victory, which I, I don't know what happened there. I guess Spencer Turnbull pitched because nobody <laughs> else would have done that. Um, but yeah, that's that, those are some weird, wacky games. And I guess part of the secret to all the, this random... Uh, success for the teams that we've talked about is su- having super inconsistent schedules in, in long gaps of play due to weather or the coronavirus or whatever else you have. So if you were wondering how these truly terrible teams on paper are managed to scrape their way to surprising starts, this is how they did it. We, we tried our best to explain that to you. So uh, that is going to do it for today, though. Um, thank you everybody for joining us. If you enjoyed it, make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to our podcast. Really appreciate it. And then also go ahead and connect with us on social media at Beat the Shift DP, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Instagram is probably the most active of those platforms, but we're there as well. And check out our website, BeatTheShiftBaseball.com. So that is it for today. Thanks everybody. One last time. As always, far bode. Peace.